Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping this show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, and welcome to the Thank You Notes podcast. My name is Travis McVeigh. I'm an anesthesiologist from Dallas, Texas, and I love thank you notes. I love them so much, I decided to make them into a podcast. Today's guest is one of my favorite people. Now, dear listeners, you are familiar with this man, but you just don't know that you are. The music that you heard at the beginning of this show, and you will hear again at the end of this show, is from a band called Toy Sauce. The guitarist for Toy Sauce is Leon Toy. He's been my friend for over 10 years. When he's not shredding his Les Paul, he's a radiologist practicing in Nashville. We get into our friendship, how we met, his passion for guitar, the Austin, Texas music scene, and Marvin Berry. What I like about Leon, and what I tried to highlight in this episode, is how he throws himself at his passion, how hard he works to not just maintain it, but grow it. So let's get into my chat with Dr. Leon Toy of the band Toy Sauce. Oh, my shit was flipped up, was unspoken. All right, well, this is the Thank You Notes podcast. Uh, do you write thank you notes, Leon? I do. It's been a while. Uh, it's more something that I guess I grew up with as a kid. You know, I had Catholic mom and uh, lots of guilt to, uh, to send thank you notes for everything. Show appreciation. It's important. Yeah, I guess I, I guess... I was guilted into it as well, and it's stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even appreciate the Catholic aspect because I grew up Catholic myself. <laughs> uh, what was the last thank you note that you wrote for? Um, I mean, these days, it's usually through email and text and that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so I don't, those things get more blurred compared to a handwritten one. I haven't written a hard copy letter that in that kind of format probably since like the 90s, I would think. Okay, well... I guess we should tell everybody a little bit of how you and I know each other. So I had to spend uh, a few months in Dallas during my training because a hurricane hit the hospital I was training at. And I ended up doing an OB anesthesia rotation with a, a woman named Amanda Lau, who was dating you at the time. And uh, then you guys end up getting married and we stay in touch. And, you know, a couple of years go by and we've been friends for, I don't, since 2008 so 15 years 
Yeah. Time goes by fast. <laughs> very, very fast. Uh, one of the things that you and I bonded over was, was music and you were an excellent guitarist. When did you start playing guitar, Leon? Uh, I, I guess in, um, in the nineties, um, in college and whatnot, I, I went to high school and, and had a little, you know, high school band. And one of my best friends at the time was an amazing and still is an amazing guitar player. And so I, I started picking up bass at that time and noodling on keyboards just to kind of be able to do something musically with him. And then going to school in UT Austin, uh, as you know, was a very inspiring, especially at that time period to, to do something musical and, and, there were so many great guitarists running around Austin at the time that it's just, I realized I needed to do that. And that kind of has never left. Why did you pick the guitar or did it pick you? No, I mean, at the time I, it was really my high school friend. that was such a, a, you know, a badass. I don't know if we can say ass mm-hmm. on the, on your podcast, but say it's, it. it's out there. <laughs> That's the first ass I think we've had. Um, at any rate. Yeah. I just remember, talking to him on the phone and there was like this amazing guitar going on in the background and and then i'm like wait is that you and then like <laughs> then the guitar stops because he was like half listening to me half playing and then oh yeah that's me <laughs> yeah so that was kind of I, I always wanted to do that i was a big van halen fan back then and steve ray vaughn and you know all the austin stuff yeah what was your first guitar actually i can show it to you we listeners won't be able to see it but it's a homemade guitar that we basically it's kind of a, a pawn shop piece of garbage that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't afford anything decent at the time. And we kind of took this old pawn shop guitar and made it pretty interesting. Here, I'll show you real quick. So we had the idea of like, or my friend actually had the idea of making a guitar out of a two by four. And so we kind of took that idea, the guitar that we got, you know, the, the pawn shop guitar was really heavy. Um, and so I needed something that kind of, play that was lighter so yeah my brother and i um turned it into this oh that's awesome i've never seen that before you've never shown that to me yeah i've geeked out with it some uh and actually just was recording a song with it last week um and yeah it's called the woodpecker i mean obviously mm-hmm. showing something on a podcast is, seems stupid <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll describe it it's basically a, a miniature guitar that looks almost like a two by four and it's called the woodpecker and it has a picture of Woody Woodpecker on it. Okay. That, <laughs> that's flipping the bird, mm-hmm. um, which seems logical. Uh, the original version of, of this Woodpecker, I drew, you know, a long time ago. And then this, I recently had the guitar. Uh, I sent it to a, a luthier, which is a, you know, a guitar maker and had him right. kind of trick it out. And they put a Floyd Rose in it. And he took the original, you know, d- cartoon Woodpecker that I drew forever ago. Uh, of flipping the bird and, and scanned it and made a digital version on the sticker that now has it on there. And my brother, oh lettered, wow, <laughs> my brother lettered, you know, the the artwork on it, and but it plays great. And um, but yeah, it was that was the that was the first guitar, and then over time, just kind of started getting real guitars, I guess. Okay, so is that a Stratocaster neck that you just picked up and then you attached to a two by four, or no? This is this is literally the guitar. This you know, this was the neck that came on the you know, garage uh, or on the uh, pawn shop guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we took the body and, and cut it down because it was super heavy, which mm-hmm. works out okay because it's actually fairly balanced now. Um, and then we made this like removable um, magnetized thing so that you can put a plate on your lap. 
Okay. Yeah. That's actually pretty handy. What kind of uh, pickups did you put into it? It has um, DiMarzio pickups in it. Sounds yeah. pretty good. It, it kind of sounds like maybe like a, a Gibson. Um, not so much a Les Paul, but somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. So, something like it. And then it's got that um, Floyd Rose on it to do all the old school Van Halen things. No, I didn't. I didn't know you did that. That's pretty. That's really cool. Yeah, I should have brought it out when we were playing in in Dallas. But it, it looks it looks fun. It's not the most ergonomic guitar to have, but doesn't look like it. Yeah. You'd, I, it'd be hard to play and stand and play that thing. It, it, it's hard to sit and play it because it doesn't really have a great rest. But to stand, it, it's okay. It actually is almost better that way. When did you start playing guitar? I was. This is where you turn around and interview on me. <laughs> uh, Let's see. I was a freshman in college, and friends of the show will remember episode one. Ben Fu was my guest. I, I, and I heard he, that one. Yeah, and he um, he'd been a guitarist for his you know his whole, all of his teenage years, and he had some math requirements that he had to get through, and he didn't want to do calculus. And I was like, well, I, I did all this in high school. I can do this in my sleep, and. He said, okay, uh, well, just help me with this or just do my homework and I'll teach you how to play guitar in exchange. Cause I would go into his room and just pick up the guitar and start like screwing around. And if for somebody that's an actual guitarist to hear somebody who doesn't know anything like picking yeah. and plucking, it's, it's like, it's so annoying. And he's like, I have to teach you how to play. Otherwise I can't listen to this anymore. I said, okay. So, so you had a barter system trading calculus for guitar lessons with a Chinese yes. guy. With a Chinese guy, yes. <laughs> and then he ended up moving away from UT after that first year. And I worked a job that summer and I got, I took some of that money and I, I spent like $600 on a Martin guitar, like a really, really nice one. And yeah, I still I have I that, that to my day. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I just, I just kept playing and I was nine, 18 or 19 and I just kept playing since then. And I never, I took lessons off and on and I got a little bit better, but that's, that's when yeah, I we used to have a lot of fun when you'd come over and I'd play the drums yeah. crappily and you'd play your acoustic and we'd mat, mash at old Dave Matthews tunes and whatnot. That was yeah. Fun. I, it's, I can't play the, it's honestly the Dave Matthews that got me to kind of stop playing oh, because really? I could never get the songs to sound like he did and I could never get the songs to flow like he does. Mm-hmm. And I practiced for hours and hours and hours and I could not like the song so much to say. I could mm-hmm. I knew all of the notes, I knew all of the all of the the licks and everything, but I could not play them in a way that it sounded smooth. It's the right hand that I'm, I'm continually re- I'm I'm rediscovering how much how important that is. Like mm-hmm. you know, and and Dave you know, I think he's on the spectrum too. So he has kind of, and he he does things very unconventionally, where he'll do chord partial chords. You know, just using instead of doing the full chord, he'll do the the one and the three in a in a in a weird version of it. And then he's, he's got a very distinct strumming pattern. Those are the kind of I guess the two things that really kind of count for him. And then he's got that amazing drummer, right, Carter Beaufort. And so uh, I think they play off of each other and then challenge each other to do odd uh, odd time signatures and whatnot, right. Yeah, I'd, so I got to where I could play most of that stuff, and but it just got to I I reached my ceiling pretty early, just the, the, where I was going to stop, and I just couldn't get any better without, you know, deteriorating my 
personal and professional lives. So, <laughs> yeah, I capped out. You you don't seem to have hit your uh, guitar ceiling yet, though. Well, I, I mean, you know, I live in Nashville now, and so there's it's like a whole nother shakedown. Um, I feel like I kind of needed to go into somewhat of a hibernation and study it a lot more, which I'm still doing right now. I do recording and whatnot, but I, in terms of I haven't gigged since we moved here, and I've just been basically recording and playing, practicing and studying it, trying to just because everybody's so good here, like everything else. Like if you if you, if you take it into the medical uh, analogy, every with every aspect in training, there's a new shakedown, right? So like the if you do well in high school, you're in a maybe the top of your class in high school, you go to a good college, you're in the top of your high school class, then you go to medical school and it's like a new shakedown now in medical school. <laughs> it's, there's a whole year. It's, it's at each step. There's like a, a re-equilibration and a new humbleness that, um, you, know, you have to digest for a while. Yeah. Uh, is it, is getting back into the performing gigs? Is are you going to get back into that? Is something you want to do or. I'd like to, yeah, it's very time consuming to do that. I, I'd, I'd like to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm, I wanted to kind of get some more chops behind me, um, before I do that. And also just kind of have some more songs written to actually perform. The thing that always amazed me when I, I hear about Nashville musicians is that the band that you go see at some bar on Broadway is not really, not always at a quote unquote band. They don't, that's that group of people doesn't always perform together. It's just a group of musicians that. They oh, yeah. come and they know a, a set of songs and they'll say, oh, well, this is a country song. It's a two, three, six in, uh, in G let's, let's, let's go. And they can do pretty much anything yeah. and they don't have to have played together for, you know, yeah. dozens of years. That just, that just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, well, these people are just so good and that's what they, what they do. I mean, it's interesting. Like they, they talking to these, to a lot of folks recently, they I've heard repetitively that they view it as a conversation and it's, it, it's basically music is the language and people can, you know, when, when you get to that level that you can just, you know, have a conversation back and forth and you're not really worried about, you know, the, the sentences and the, and making sure that things are conjugated and whatnot. You just talk back and forth and, you know, how's your day, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember when I was taking lessons, the, my teachers would send me a like a YouTube video or something of some amazing guitarist and you get to a point where you're telling you can tell the guitar what to do and the guitar will do it and that's how you have the yeah. the conversation that I have this idea and I immediately know how to put it into the guitar and put out what and right. put out what I want to put out somebody like me the the, the guitar is allowing me to do what I'm capable to do of doing and, and no more, but I, I never was able to flip it to where I, I could tell the guitar what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you're putting a limitation on yourself. I bet if you spent some more time with it, you could do that. I mean, it, it's, I've heard you play. I, I know what you're, what you can do. I, I suspect if you wanted to and, and, you know, focused on it, you could do it. Well, we can get into talking about toy sauce. Now you have uh, recruited some world-class musicians and uh, found some songs to play. Tell tell us about Toy Sauce. How did it come from? Where did it come from? How's it going? Yeah, I mean, it, it basically kind of started at, you know, after moving here. Uh, I was just finding other music, you know, keeping my eye out for other musicians I wanted to play with, and and 
you know, and stylistically what other people were doing. And, and I found a couple of players here that were great horn players. And I wanted to put, you know, a, a funk band together or something like that. And I want, I had some songs from, you know, prior days that I wanted to actually get, you know, nice recordings of. And so I, I found a great sax player that was local and, and some other folks. And, and, and then I was trying to find the right drummer. And so I was running around asking, you know, people, Hey, well, you know, I'm trying to find a drummer that can play like Stanton Moore. And then Amanda, my wife and I went to on a trip to new Orleans and, um, Stanton Moore is this for, for people that don't know is a, is kind of a, fa- a fa- he's a famous funk drummer from new Orleans plays in a band called galactic. So we were going to new Orleans just to visit. And I knew that Stanton did lessons and, and sort of at the last minute I had the idea, Hey, maybe I'll email him and see if he would do you know, private lesson just for fun since we're going to be in New Orleans. And he uh, didn't get the email until after we'd already come back, you know, maybe like a week later or whatnot. But then you know, he said, well, hey, I'm going to be in Nashville, um, you know, playing with Galactic. If you want, we can do a lesson there. And so long story short, we did that. And based, and at the end of the lesson, you know, I kind of got to know each other a little bit. And I told him I had some some original funk songs and, um, and I just thought i'd throw it out there hey would you ever consider playing on them and so he said well yeah send them to me and i'll check it out we can you know perhaps do that and i sent them to him and we did and came out with a couple of songs so that after getting him that kind of opened the doors to then well hey if that worked i wonder who else we can do and, and so we re- recorded uh, a couple of songs together and you know with like him and some great horn players from here in nashville and somebody actually went to med school with played bass on on the songs and and mm-hmm. and and he's he's a killer bass player named Craig Gleiberman. And then COVID happened, and so there was, we all had a lot more downtime. I think people weren't doing much, of course. Um, and so I was sitting on the sofa and came up with a new song that sounded like uh, the Meters, which is a you know amazing funk band from like sort of the seventies. So I, I talked to Staten about, hey, is there is it would it be possible? Do you think to get? George Porter to, to play on the song since he kind of it sounds like a meters track. I wonder if he would ever do it. And so we could ask him. And so yeah, I just sent him an email and 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 he did it. And that just kind of, you know, it basically has been sort of that story. You know, just you never you never know what people will say until you ask them. It's true. Worst thing they can say is no. Right. And then after you get some momentum, it becomes easier to do stuff, just like everything else, right? After you mm-hmm. you go in incremental steps and you know, after you accomplish one thing, then you can move on. Were you a, a big fan of funk, like in the 90s, like when you started getting into music? Or is that something you've kind of gotten into recently? I think in the 90s in Austin, around that time, there were a lot of funk, you know, blues, rock, fusion things going on. Um, to, to so much where people are almost like making fun of it. But it was great. Like the... It was, it was a very much uh, um, a contrast to the other music that was going on, like sort of uh, mainstream, right? So at that time, you had like guitar solos were way out of vogue. Everything was like grunge, Nirvana, Seattle, you know, heavy bass, um, great vocals, great drums. Guitar was kind of a, you know, it was almost like, let's play the guitar as crappy as we can, yeah. you know, with, and that was sort of the one vibe. That was sort of the mainstream vibe. And th- but then in Austin, which was its own kind of universe at, at that point, they, they had they had that, but then they combined it with there's a lot of these funk things going on that were kind of like combining '70s funk with like sort of Steve Ray Vaughan, and and then also have some nine you know the '90s dark bass and whatnot, and it just kind of 
was cool and worked. And so I was really into that. And that was, I guess, the initial thing. And then, you know, Bob Schneider's bands, you, you know, oh, Bob. Know Bob. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely had a huge funk element for a while and had the scabs and all that stuff. And going to see the scabs on Tuesday nights was very, I guess, formative as well. I was like, geez, man, that's, this is an amazing thing. You know, having a big 10 piece band with horn section, everybody's dancing. It's like, I want to do that. I remember the first scab show I went to it was probably 2001, maybe. And it was, it was insane. I'd never been to anything like it. Yeah. It was really loud. Um, yeah, there's a 10 piece band and Bob yeah. actually left the stage for about 15 minutes. <laughs> there's no and telling just, what uh, happened while he was gone. Yeah, no telling. <laughs> And I, I don't know, is, does this mean this guy is like really egotistical or he's like man, wanting to like shine the light on his, uh, on his, uh, band. Like, I, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it, it left an impact. Like I still remember that show. Yeah. And like the songs are like, they're really, they've got a really good groove, but they're also like insanely vulgar. And, but then there's also some like really catchy tunes. Like it's, yeah, I, to this day, I, there's, I haven't seen another band like the scabs and like it the quality of the, the players was just what stood out to me. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Carlos Sosa, um, amazing sax player. Actually the, the whole horn section there, they, they play with Jason Mraz. Now they're, they, you know, they're called the groove line horns and they do other stuff, but yeah, I think they're right now they've, they've, did, they've toured with Jason, I think a couple of times and that's currently what they're doing, but they're fantastic. And that scab stuff never, it never really got, you can't really find it, unfortunately, right? Like if you have the old CDs and you, you got it, but it's not, it's not like it's on Spotify. Yeah. And, I used to have MP3s of all that stuff. And then you, you switch computers, et cetera. Yeah. And then it's not, it gets locked out of Apple, et cetera. So I don't, I don't know what happened to it every once in a while. You can find some of it on YouTube. Right. Yeah. But that's my, my point is that it's not, unless you were, you have like a hard copy CD and, you know, or something on in an archive, most people, you can't really share that with people and even and it was such a great you know collection of music i did want to ask you how did you maintain your uh guitar skills during med school and residency that's kind of an interesting thing that you kind of touched on too right like you it, it's serving more than one master gets challenging right like mm -hmm. you know in high school or, or for a lot of these things like people do i become an athlete or do i join band it's hard to kind of do to serve multiple masters and get really good at any one thing. And I feel med school is kind of like all demanding for that, you know, and it's, it's hard to, um, to do that. And then as life goes on and things just become incre incrementally more d challenging, right? And family, kids, responsibility, and to try to walk the line and, and actually hone skills and get better. I mean, you kind of have to have a, an early start or a lot of focus at any rate. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically just tried to, cram it in when I could and, and, and hung out with other people that had similar interests. And, you know, we would just, you know, go see a lot of shows. And if we weren't studying, I was, and actually I combined the two. I listened while I studied, I'd listened to a ton of music. And so you can kind of digest music ingredients and things while in the, almost subconsciously while you're studying. I used to have a, a, a drummer friend that he worked at a set manager subway and he's an amazing drummer, but he would like, you know, as he's making sandwiches or he'd be like drumming on the, <laughs> on the, on the desktop of the subway, um, and practicing his rudiments and stuff. And so, I mean, you can, you can kind of cram it in or as you're driving your car on the steering wheel, you can do these things. And 
it's hard to, I mean, I think for everybody, no matter what your interests are, to try to divide up your time to actually, if if you actually want to kind of get, do something on a professional level in more than one category, it gets challenging to do that. I would say med school, I maintained, I didn't have the money to pay for lessons, but I was able to practice more often because there were, there were spurts of intense studying during med school, but I feel like I had a lot more time off than I realized. Yeah. And especially during uh fourth year, I, I could just, you could pretty much do whatever. Right. However, residency like at that, my skills took a huge hit because I literally did not have the time to pick it up. Yeah. Fourth year. Definitely. I had a, a, a band in school then too. And, and we actually made a CD and I, yeah, we had like a month of downtime or whatever in that, Thing. And I think I used that month to basically do everything on the CD. I mixed and mastered it myself. And, you know, that took a lot of time, but it was you know, kind of educational. And yeah, and then intern year obviously sucks, but mm. you can, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it sort of depends if you, you have downtime and it's a matter of what, what you're going to do with that. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, do you have a guitar and an amp in your reading room? Leon's a radiologist for everybody who, uh, I, I didn't give you a proper intro. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I have guitars pretty much everywhere that uh, have down. I try not to watch TV. So that's another, I mean, I do watch TV, but it's uh, TV is a, that's definitely a time sink, right? So if you can, if you can cut, cut that out and do something, do your passion instead of it, that you get a lot of time back that automatically. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I have downtime when I'm not working, then I have a guitar sitting next to it. I will say the ukulele has kind of helped me. Uh, that's because they're, they're small, they're portable and they're kind of quiet and you can still get a lot of guitar out of it the more you play it. And so I, I play a lot more ukulele than I did than I, you know, than I was when I first got the thing. And it, it's nice because you, it, everything's the same and you can uh, still practice a lot of skills. So that, that's helped me maintain yeah a, a level of mediocrity. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I think if it was more important to you, I think you could be, a, you know, an even better guitar player than you already are. Oh, I, I, I completely acknowledge that. And I will also say that, uh, the kid, I, I don't want to blame her for anything, but it's, you can't really make noise, especially when she, she was, uh, super young. Cause you don't want to wake her up. So it's hard to practice that stuff. I guess you can practice on a electric, not plugged in, but they make, there's something called the, um, it's made by Boss. It's a, called the Waza Air, and there's these headphones mm-hmm. that are—they sound amazing. And and you can, it, for an electric guitar, you can basically plug it in, and it's completely—you know—it has a, like an amp simulator, and it goes through your iPhone, and so you can play MP3s on it, and it, it sounds amazing. So, I mean, the, the, and the, the technology these days is just so crazy. Like, it's so much easier to learn stuff, you know, with YouTube and all that. There's so many great apps now. Back when we were learning it. That, that didn't exist you know you basically would try to rewind things as much as you could to try to pick up a tune now you can slow down and loop songs you know i mean there are these apps that are free or like a you know a couple of bucks that will take a, an mp3 and slow it down but keep the pitch you know and then loop it so and you can like assign you know say where the start and end mm-hmm. points are on, on a particular part of a song and just kind of have it loop it other ones use like artificial intelligence and like tell you what the chords are as the song goes i mean it's just crazy the things that exist and there's you know some argentinian 
teenager that's already made a a, right. a video explaining where to put your hands, right? How to change the pet, like yeah, yeah. I mean, like tabbed it all out for you, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, like yeah. There's kind of two different arms of this. There's the YouTube side where everybody, you know, anything you want to learn, have, having an Argentinian kid teach you how to play the song that you've been trying to learn forever, or have you know just the app side of it where electronically, you know, the computer maps it out for you or charts it. It's just crazy. Yeah, when I first started learning, I, we had just started getting MP3, so I had Napster, mm-hmm. and so I could that made it really easy to back things up, and yeah, you could even slow it down and et cetera, et cetera. So, but yeah, I, I don't envy anybody that had to do it off of a CD or a cassette or even like a yeah a turntable. That that sounds like torture. I think the turntable is probably the easier one because you could actually slow it, right? I never did mm-hmm, that, that's but true. but I know people that did like the. You know, but it, but when you do that, it it lowers the pitch. It doesn't keep the same pitch. Mm-hmm. The, the the amazing apps now, you can slow them down and it keeps the pitch. And and you can pitch change. So if you wanted to learn it in another key, like a lot of you know old Steve Ray Vaughan songs, for example, were tuned down a half step. And so then you have to detune your guitar or, or Van Halen songs to you'd have to modify your tuning to learn that tune or play it. But you can plug it into the app and and tell the app you want to it up a half step and it'll just transpose it for you which is crazy well the other thing it does too these things they'll remove the other tracks of the song so they're they're uses artificial intelligence yeah i mean if you want to hear like the bass track in isolation from the vocals and the drums it'll just play the bass it's just crazy all right leona so thank you thank you for technology travis thank you for technology i'm not responsible for it but uh leon i wrote you a thank you note so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you. Leon, I have a lot to be thankful for when it comes to our friendship. You are downright the most friendly person I know. I have no idea how you find time to doctor, write and play music, travel, and maintain a home and marriage. Thank you for the years of friendship, 15 to be exact, for letting me and my wife tag along on your culinary and travel adventures, and for always being there as, as a great friend. I'm beyond grateful for our friendship. Congratulations on the success of Toy Sauce. I wish I was talented enough to be in your band, Travis. Aw, that's super sweet, man. I, I feel the, the, the same way, and I'm bummed that we no longer live in the same city and don't get to hang out as much as as, as we used to. You and me both. Um, but even though you know we don't get to see each other or talk as much, the feelings are still there, and I absolutely value the friendship and and with you as well and cherish all the awesome memories we've had so far yeah usually we don't miss a step i feel like we can just jump right into it yeah i mean i think we're kindred spirits we both kind of mm-hmm. have a little bit of a unconventional dark side and some <laughs> i don't know what the hell that means <laughs> we're, we're not your typical you know super conservative nerdy doctor if that makes sense we have other interests and in- that's true I feel myself becoming one, but I think I can safely say I'm not a super conservative uh, nerdy doctor at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the nature of the beast, but, and that's kind of what people want. Like for, for I mean, if you're in, as a consumer, that makes sense, right? Like you, when you go see the doc, you want somebody like that, but it's nice to be able to kind of turn that off when, when you're able to. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'll ever really fully make it to that guy. Like I, I kind of like you know, being sarcastic with patients and, you know, I've, I've only got them for a little bit while they're still conscious. So I, I have to make it fun. So. Right, right, right. I'm, 
you have a very sp- special gift of, of humor, but it's like a, you know, I could see that some people, like if, if they don't know that you're being, that you're joking, that might not always work. How, how does, but, but then again, you have the emotional intelligence to kind of shift gears when that happens too. But I'm curious how that, how you navigate that. Well, to, to start off, I don't have the emotional intelligence to shift gears. <laughs> That's gotten me into a lot of problems, but, uh, for the most part, it's, it's fine. Like I actually got a patient review. So we get these emails that the, the patients will log into something and they'll write reviews on us. And somebody actually said like, I, I love Dr. McVeigh's dry sense of humor. He made everything so much easier and more delightful. Then there's the people that <laughs> uh, I remember I was putting an epidural in this, well, this woman was really nervous. I was, a, I was in training and she was super nervous and she's like, I don't know what's going on. You got to tell me what, you, what you're doing. Tell me what you're doing. I don't what, okay. What, what is that? What is that? And I was just back there doing my epidural. And then I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She said, what, what, what? I just did that epidural perfectly. And she got, <laughs> she got furious because she thought I had like paralyzed her or something. Right. Like, right. Why would you say something like that to me? You know what I'm, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just thought I'd, you know, thought it'd be a joke to cut the, cut the anxiety, cut yeah. the tension. She's like, absolutely not. Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in your defense, you were in training, right? So you're you're, you're yeah. That was a training experience. I think uh, another another personality style would would love that and probably laugh their ass off. But that's a skill and, and experience experiential thing too to be able to kind of read the personality style within a couple of seconds of who you're dealing with and try to, you know, give them what they need. I don't, maybe I'll get that skill by the time I retire. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> until then, I'm just going to go in with my dry sense of humor and hopefully they laugh. But, and a lot of doctors just use the same, they have, they kind of have their, uh, their menu of jokes, right? Like it's almost part of like the skill of rep or it's a job of repetition that's rewarded for that. Oh, repetition. very much so. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people have their, their jokes that they like hit at that Exactly, almost like at each step of the procedure, you know, okay, you go through the consent. Okay, I'm going to do this now. You're going to feel some pain here. This is going to last for two seconds. And then, and then you like insert joke and then go on. And, and then after it goes fine, then you're like, okay, well, it was nice to meet you. Here's a joke. And you're, you know what I mean? It's like, and it's the same joke. And the, the assistant in the room has heard it a million times and fakes a laugh. And because the patient usually, it's, it's almost like you get to try it out and you find the joke that works for most people. Into the then you say that a million times. I'll tell you my favorite one. So you are right that I have the same conversation probably twenty times a week. Yeah, but my favorite one and you don't get to do it very often is you're when wheeling the patient into the operative into the operative room. So you're the the family goes one way, we go one the other way, and like the wife or the husband will say, "Okay, love you, honey, do great," and I said, "Love you too," and uh, it gets a laugh maybe. 50 to 60 percent of the time that's my favorite one what happens the other time do they not get it or nothing (laughs) not absolute silence yeah because they've realized it's a joke and they don't think it's funny (laughs) and they're they're being wheeled into surgery and somebody else is telling their spouse that yeah they love them right 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 all right leon who would you like to to thank today I think the, I'm going to go the cheese route and, and, and 
thank my wife uh, for being a good sport and going back to how do you navigate <laughs> doing uh serving a couple of different masters right and you know i think in order to to continue to hone something that is very time intensive you need a very understanding spouse and uh so my wife is upstairs now right now watching tv and i've been playing guitar for a couple hours this afternoon and i, I just literally got home and sh she's completely cool with it and not gonna give me too much grief about it and we're gonna hang out later on today and it'll be good but it, it not everybody i think a lot of people are not very forgiving of those sorts of things and so i'm mm -hmm. very grateful for my understanding and tolerant wife <laughs> yeah y your wife is very nice and uh very uh accepting of you of for who you are the man the musician the physician the mastermind of, of it all i don't know about that but yeah I think you need to get her practicing her harp some more and she needs to be on the next toy sauce album. <laughs> we've been, we've been working on that. Um, she wants to do it. I think there's, it's just kind of overcoming a, a motivational hump. We've been looking into, or she's been looking into, you know, harp lessons and whatnot. And she, I think that's helped her like with her manual dexterity doing, you know, doing the job as well. She, I mean, she says that, Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's also, learning new things as you get older, I think is helpful to stay sharp. You know, it's really easy to just kind of go through the same things over and over, but it, it, life is all about change and kind of being able to maintain some neuroplasticity. The ability to learn new things is important as you, as we age. Have you noticed a difference in picking things up at like on guitar uh, when you were like a difference between you now and like you, when you were learning, like when you're twenties? I don't know. It's I've been reverse engineering it, if that makes sense. Where like I knew things before, but I didn't know what I was doing, and now I've been going back and sort of understanding it, sort mm -hmm. of uh, the theory behind it, which has been very helpful. And I really wish I did this years earlier because I kind of reached plateaus where I was doing the same stupid stuff over and over, and there were things I wanted to do that I couldn't. I, I knew what I wanted it to sound like, but I didn't know how to make it do that yet. And and now actually going back and studying this studying the theory about it is mm -hmm. helping me kind of i'm sure i don't have the same plasticity that i had before but it's 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 going okay i'm not i'm still able to figure some things out it's going okay i'll, I'll stop <laughs> last question leon if you could join any fictional band what would it be or if you could have any fictional musician join your band so i'm thinking like the wonders from that thing you do i'm thinking Love Burger from Can't Hardly Wait. I'm thinking Josie and the Pussycats. Wow. Um, I, I would probably do the um, the Back to the Future Johnny Be Good band, you know, with Marty McFly. Oh, Marvin Berry and the, the Starlights. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know that sound you're looking for? Yeah. Well, listen to this. Yeah. That would be... I thought you were going to say Marty's band, uh, the Pinheads, at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> The one that had um, Mr. Strickland where he covers his ears. Yeah. <laughs> no, I that's a great answer. I like that. Marvin Berry and the Starlights. <laughs> I'm glad you I remembered Marvin Berry. I didn't remember the Starlights, but I, I'm glad and not surprised that you remember that. Yeah. Well, me, Ben Fu and I got into an argument. Uh, episode one's Ben Fu. And that I didn't think that you could just say to a band in 1955, hey, guys, this is a blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and keep up. Try to keep up. 
and it would just like come off without a hitch. But he's like, no, in Nashville, that would that would work, I guess. But this was uh, California in the night in 1955. I, I don't I don't think they uh, they pull that off. But Ben Fu thinks that Marvin Berry and the Starlights were professional enough that they could they could do that. So I would I would I think so. I think most of it, you know, there's another one. I, I think that one has a, a decent chance of, of happening. Uh, so how about hot tub time machine where, um, what, what's his name goes, uh, plays back with his old high school or college band or whatever. And then, and then at the end of it, they do, um, uh, what is it? Um, I know it's Craig Robinson. I don't, I forget the name of the band and I, I've only seen that movie once. So. Oh, oh, but yeah, I mean, they, they do a, um, what the hell is that band? Um, with Fergie, uh, the black, oh, the black eyed, yeah, Jeans. yeah, they they play Let's Go Get It Started, you mm. know, in the eighties or whatever, and yeah, there's no way that that would that that would have taken off. It's not like he could just teach that song to these people and it would and it would sound like that recording. True, no, I I agree. I think you need to be with Marvin Berry and the Starlights. <laughs> All right, Leon Toy, this is uh this has been fun. We don't talk enough. Thank you for being a guest. <laughs> Thanks, and I hope some of that was uh, entertaining for somebody. (laughs) I think it would be. Thank you, Travis. He truly is one of my favorite people. Thank you, Leon, for coming on the show, and thank you again for allowing me to use your music on this show. You can listen to Toy Sauce on Spotify and YouTube, I have been in touch with Leon since the recording of this episode, and he tells me there should be a new Toy Sauce release in the near future. Please like, rate five stars, follow, subscribe, and devote yourself to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Visit the website and follow my social medias. The links to all of this are in the show notes. The email address for the show is thankyounotespod at gmail.com. Send me thank you notes, memes, recipes, whatever. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.